ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befica podcast, episode 318. Before we get into uh, what we have on tap for you tonight, uh, let me introduce uh, uh, my partners here. Today we got one more. We'll introduce them shortly. But uh, first, uh, first and foremost, Mr. Cristiano Oliveira. What's going on, everybody? Lawyer to the stars. Uh, and up in the Great White North, Dave de Oliveira, no relation, but uh, definitely a lot prettier. Oh, thank you. But uh, good to be back after uh, what was a boring international break. Uh, we had we had uh, our seleção to our Portuguese national team to watch. We had to watch some Rui Vitoria style soccer being played. So uh, it's good to be back on discussing Benfica and uh no more international breaks before the uh that's it so we're in the final stretch of the season and uh big title race so uh, good to be back on tonight. yeah also making an appearance here first ever uh it's uh bruno Bach. bruno how are you i'm fantastic and uh glad to be here thank you for having me guys yeah so bruno is, is local here to uh new jersey to to us and uh we have uh recently have uh have, have met bruno and gotten to know bruno and, and bruno does a a lot of good work uh, with video and movies is in the, in the movie production business. Oh, and yeah. uh, I'll let you tell everyone, introduce yourself uh, and, and tell everyone uh, why you're a Benfiquista. Yeah, I mean, uh, Benfiquista since before birth, I would say. <laughs> uh, maybe in a previous life, I think I was also a Benfiquista. And I think in a future life, I'll still be a Benfiquista. That's right. And uh, yeah, no, I uh, made a, a little docu series that I, I posted up on YouTube recently, and uh, that's how we uh, got in touch. Yeah. So uh, before we go, remind me for you to uh, put the link out there so people could go and uh, check it to check that out. Absolutely. Uh, we had a chance to uh, preview it, and uh, very, very well done. And uh, I think that uh, some, some, some people, I think if not all, will. Uh, will recognize some of the people that you've interviewed. So we'll, we'll speak uh, a little bit more about that. On tonight's podca podcast, we will uh, recap the Tondela game, which happened uh, this past weekend. We'll also look ahead to Sporting, the uh, second leg of the Portuguese Cup that happens uh, Wednesday, uh, tomorrow, as we record this. And also, uh, we will uh, travel up north to play, uh, to Santa Maria de Feira, to play Feirense. Last, uh, Lanterna Vermelha, last place Feirense, is uh, the game that we got uh, coming up this uh, this Sunday. So uh, without further ado, uh, but before we get going, I just want to mention something real quick, and I don't want to forget, and I want to make sure that uh, that I mention. Um, our friends over at Benfica FM, uh, they had the, the honor and the pleasure of having uh, Mr. Shell uh, on this show this week. They recorded it yesterday, so if you haven't checked that out, definitely check that out. It's available on YouTube. Spotify and everywhere else you you can find uh, podcasts. I definitely recommend that. As you know, Mr. Show is like Mr. Mr. Mystica, Mr. Benfiquismo, and is also a class act. So definitely uh, check out uh, their show, Benfica FM, 
And those guys, uh, as you know, are, are good friends of ours and, and we support them. So let's uh, let's get right into this uh, Tondela game. Uh, I'll give you the lineup to start. Flaco Dimas was in goal. Andre Almeida, Diaz, Ferro, and Grimaldo across the back. Uh, Gabriel and Samaris in the middle. Uh, Pizzi and Rafa on the wings. João Felix and uh, Janesh were uh, up front. So uh, with Severovic not being uh, available, this is obviously the, the strongest lineup uh, right now. Jardel also wasn't, he uh, wasn't healthy. I believe that he made the call-up sheet for the Sporting game. Uh, but still, Ferro... Uh, deputizing. Um, good uh, 25 minutes from uh, Benfica. Uh, I think after that, the team felt a little anxious, a little nervous, uh, and I think they, they started uh, rushing things as, as time went by. Uh, Cristiano, let me ask you this. Um, do you think at, at this point uh, um, that Benfica plays after Porto and they go into a game with the pressure of having to win, Uh, do you think that, that there's a certain level of anxiety that the team will feel if they don't get it on a scoreboard early? Yeah, 100%. And uh, as I stated to a couple of people I was watching the game with, um, with each passing minute, you could feel the anxiety, uh, you know, growing and you could feel, you could feel the, uh, the nervousness around the stadium from the fans from, and we'll get to that a little bit later talking about mm -hmm. the fans, but from the fans to the players. Then uh, you add in all the dubious uh, refereeing involved yeah. in both games, whether it's Benfica or Porto playing. It's just so much going on right now in the world of football in Portugal that uh, I think everyone is on the edge of their seat, and that includes players and coaching staff and anyone on the bench. And it's just been a very hectic time right now in Portugal. Yeah, Dave, how would, uh, what was your, your feeling after that first half uh, uh, ended? Not even the first half. Going into this match, I put myself through the uh, misery of watching uh, Porto Braga and watching uh, the inconsistencies of the the refereeing in Portugal with the two penalties. I know this is the Benfica podcast, not the Liga Noz referee podcast, but uh, God, it, it's terrible to watch the inconsistencies among the referees in Portugal. It's embarrassing. There was a clear penalty on Samaris in the Uh, 10th, 11th minute, and that would have mm -hmm. taken uh, a lot of the ease off of the game uh, if that penalty was called. Even with the VAR instituted in Portugal, I don't understand how and when they decide to go to VAR. It's a complete joke, but um, yeah, with each passing mi minute, this game uh, was getting more tense, and uh, was I can tell you from my experience, I was not uh, a pleasant person to be around watching that game. I, yeah. I that felt much. comfortable and I thought everyone, players and everyone involved, uh, looked pretty relaxed the first 20, 25 minutes. And after that, you could start, you could start feeling um, the anxiety and things just changing a bit. Uh, I thought Benfica came out, started off really well. I thought they uh, created enough chances. I thought they could have gotten on the scoreboard early. Obviously, to me, And most of you guys listening know, oh, yeah, my call a spade a spade. And uh, to me, that was as clear a penalty a, as there is. Um, surprise, a referee. Well, I shouldn't say I'm surprised because it is a Portuguese league after all. But uh was surprised that they didn't at least go to the VAR and have a look at it. I thought Samaris was uh, absolutely tripped by João Mario uh, right at the edge of the box. And, I mean, I think that would have alleviated things. But Benfica still played well enough after that. And then he just felt with each passing minute going into the second half and then You know, the fans, it's just you get that uneasy feeling. And, and, and you know that at any moment now uh, you start to have that doubt in the back of your mind uh, with, with the terrible refereeing in Portugal. You know, you start <laughs> to question, are Tondela going to be handed a gift here? I mean, you just all of a sudden all these negative thoughts start creeping into your mind. And, uh, um, you know, it happened again this weekend. But fortunately, um, you know, we're able to pull away with that. But still, the first half, I thought Benfica played really well. 
um, going into the half at least. Yeah, and look, it, it, it's hard for us um, as somebody that watches the game on TV, most of the games, I would say 95% of the games we watch on TV, except with the, the rare occasion that we get to travel and watch Mefica live. Uh, but there, there's a... Uh, Bruno, do you think it's maybe we're still scarred from from Rui Vitoria's uh, years that uh, uh, the game was never over with Rui Vitoria and everybody expected the worst? It could be. It could be that we're still a little scarred. But I think it does have to do a lot with, uh, you know, the, the refereeing in Portugal and just knowing that any little thing and that's it for the season. That, that'll be the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with Rui Vitoria at this point. No. Um, I think it's more to do with, with the current situation of, of Portuguese football. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, with, with uh, you know, all the negativity surrounding it and you, you as a player, you don't want to believe in it because you know that you have everything in control. You know, to, you know, if you do your job, you should be able to get the three points and come away with things. But as I mentioned before, all the negativity going around and a player starts great. Rui Vitoria is long gone, guys. This is, this is now – uh, a Brunelage team. This is a team that's that's turned the page. Um, they have not played the same quality of football that we saw when when uh, Brunelage first uh, Brunelage first took over. And I think, look, a lot of it might have to do with the fact that Seferovic's been injured. Um, I think now that he's back, uh, he came in at the halftime for who did he come Somebody. in? Oh, somebody. Came in and they switched to a four three three. At least uh, I thought it was a four three three initially. Then Juan Felix moved to the right side, so it was back to a four four two with Juan Felix on the right side. But uh, he comes in and he gives the team length. He gives the team a different dimension. He's a guy that could, could go get a ball, that could get to an end of a cross, just on his physical and on his physical ability. And they took advantage of that. But I think you'll see Benfica picking things up now that Sferovic is back. And it's great to have Jonas healthy. It's great to have uh, Juan Felix healthy. And then look, the more the merrier. Because we're going to need all hands on deck here going down the end of the, uh, down the stretch here for the final seven games of the season. Yeah. Um, one thing, and in, in, in look, I, I hate to get, in, get into uh, the refereeing aspect of it in the VAR, but uh, uh, Portugal was one of the first countries to implement VAR, right? And, and at this point, there's what, two years under our belt. There's no reason why those decisions by the VAR or uh, what the process is to go to the VAR and what the methods are and, and, and what gives a referee an inkling that he needs to give to go to VAR. All of that, we should have already worked through all that that growth process and those those pain points. Um, my thing, and I think this is touches up all, uh, on what Christian was saying before, is that the way the refereeing has been this year, which included the VAR, um, I think that the team is, <clears throat> excuse me, the team at this point is uh, suspect of what the VAR can clarify or not, or if what the VAR can defend them or not. See, here's the well, thing. The thing you, you, the VAR, go the ahead, part, Dave, is the the how do I what's the word? It, it's every week you don't know what calls for a VAR intervention and what does not call for a VAR intervention. You don't know what you know what a certain referee. The criteria is different game to game. Right. Yeah. And then when you take that and you add it to, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're 40. Right. And I mean, I know Dave and, 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 and Bruno are younger, but you and I, let's just cut it at 40. Right. <laughs> um, we go way back to, to, to Portuguese to the eighties of Portuguese football. We know Ugh. that there's always been 
this noise surrounding Portuguese football with suspicion and doubt. And now when you have at least the implement of art, you think that that's going to clean up, you know, the BS around Portuguese football. And it seems like it's adding yeah. rather than subtracting. And I think the thing that's most that's most frustrating about it is, look, you understand that referees are human. You understand even the people looking at the VAR, they're human and they're going to make mistakes. The one thing that's that's frustrating is that the mistakes always seem to be going one way. It's always in favor of one particular team. And it's always like the VAR never goes wrong or never disappears or stops working, magically shuts down, you know, <laughs> reboots when it's for one team. But it's always in their favor. And I think that's that's what everyone is frustrated about when it comes to VAR. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, and now that you get to see it, the the it's affecting linesmen too. They're afraid to put the offside flag too. They'll give it, ten, they'll let the play play out, and then throw up the flag uh, ten seconds later, which is so frustrating to yeah. watch. And I can only imagine how it is to be a, a player. But I think that, the, the flag. that's a that's a new directory because this is first. This is the first game I've actually seen the referees go on, and there's at least three four plays that I can Last remember. Uh, and that they game. let the, the 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 teams play and and look, if it's an off if if you think it's an offside, you you throw the flag. You know, don't let the the play go on because all you're doing is you're opening up uh, a chance or a situation in which uh, two players can collide, especially when it's one on one with the goalie. You never know when something like that's going to happen. You got guys sprinting to the ball. Uh, you never know when when uh, when a uh, an injury may occur as a result of this. And then you look back and said, Oh, it didn't count anyway. So now you, you putting in all this effort for it's nothing. not just the injuries the added on the added fatigue. I mean, absolutely sprinting. I mean, you're doing 30, 40 yard sprints when you don't have to, after a couple of those, you're going to start feeling it. And then, you know, in the later minutes of the game, the 80th minute, now when your legs start to get heavy, that's when you really start feeling those sprints. I don't understand what the hell they're thinking. And it just seems like all of a sudden, all this, this this new let's test all these new uh refereeing decision when it seems like it's a big figure it's just like it just i don't understand man i don't want to sound like a crybaby but bro it's it's 40 freaking years of <laughs> the same thing and the same team getting favored and being helped out it's very frustrating to watch on a weekend week out uh basis it happened again today in the tasa portugal game that they were up three nil i mean they going into the second leg and it just nobody sees it, and, and, and it just makes me wonder: people that stupid, or they just don't want to see it because there's clearly something there. Um, and again, as I stated before, and I, I'll say this to the cows come home: people make mistakes, but it's not a coincidence when it's saying it's favoring the same person yeah. or people over and over and over and over. That's not a coincidence; it's not a mistake, guys. Yeah, Bruno, what's your take on the VAR ban? I mean. <clears throat> I was I was kind of iffy about it because uh, it makes me think of American football mm. and, you know, stopping the play and all that. Uh, but uh, you always have some hopes. But I don't I don't think it's it's proved much in the the little amount of time we've had yeah. VAR for. It definitely hasn't proved to help at all. Yeah, but look, the Countries like like Germany and other countries. Italy does a tremendous job with it. Absolutely. So this goes so back. It's implemented well. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, the, the, the referees have to be competent enough to follow the guidelines of the VAR, right? So there there's there's five and I don't want, I'm not gonna bore you, but there's five situations in which you could go to the VAR 
and there's a lot of countries and i think that for the the mls also is is a league that has has adapted well to the var and and a lot of good decisions are being made Italy, uh, a lot of good decisions that are being made. Germany, I think, is also on the VAR, and a lot of decisions are being made there. The Portuguese referees are really giving fuel to the anti-VAR guys uh, to just get rid of this crap. We don't want VAR. It's just gonna, it's gonna ruin the spectacle. And I get that point, uh, but there's, there's only so much that a human eye could see. It's only one referee. There's different angles you could see the play. So I could, I could see how the VAR could help. Look, but one I, I used had, correctly. I had, I had a conversation about VAR with our good friend Hugo Ferreira and the legend Salim. If anyone played soccer knows anything about the uh, legend, the legend yeah, knows anything about soccer in, in the state of New Jersey, Salim is one of the first names to pop up. And I got to give him credit when when Hugo and I mentioned to him that Portugal was going to implement VAR, he started laughing. He said, "Now it's easier to fix games." Yeah, I said, what are you talking about? I was like, look, VAR, they're going to slow it down. Everything's going to be slow motion. You're going to see a little minor touch in that they could turn around and say, you know, it's a penalty. And if they want to turn around and say, look, it wasn't enough of a touch, they could now they can fix games with the, with a lot more ease. And, and, you know, at first question, you know, they didn't like it. And he's like, look, are they going to play when the when the official goes to the screen and looking at that decision? Are they slowing it down or are they actually going to play it in game speed? Because it's two different things. Yeah. Slowing it down, you get to see things that you don't see in games. So it's like, how are you? How do you expect the referee to call something that you can't see unless it's in slow motion? I think, and look, you brought up a lot of valid points, and we wanted to argue against it because I'm all for for VAR if implemented well. Yeah. And, and I think some countries have done a phenomenal job. I just think that Portu Portugal has not done a good job at all. I think that from the referees to the VAR officials, I think that this is uh, these are people that have uh, I don't know skin in the game or, yeah. or so I don't know. They just it just looks skin like skin in the game or game and uh, money in the pocket. They can't be that incompetent to do yeah. a job that is very clearly. I mean, a referee that one week looks at a handball and says, that's not a handball. I mean, I don't even need to go to VAR because that's not a handball. And then the very next week goes to the VAR when a ball hits a player in the chest because he assumes it hits a hand. So it's like it's just very inconsistent yeah. what's happening in Portuguese football with the VAR. And then you add on all the off-the-field stuff. It's just well, rather than give it clarity in Portuguese football, I think it's brought in more noise and it's made it look even yeah. dirtier than what it was before. No, absolutely. If Look, if you have five talking uh, points or arguing points in these shows that we see on, on Mondays, and pick you pick the channel and you pick the name of the show. If you had five talking points now with the VAR, now you have 10, 15 talking points now. Now you got more to talk about because the, the VAR is not being implemented uh, correctly. But anyway, I didn't mean to to go off on a, on a tangent there. Just I want to rein it back into the game. Uh, so Seferovic, as Cristiano mentioned, came in for some addition. And I thought, I, I don't know if, if I agree with this decision by Brun Lage. I thought that uh, at the time, Samadis was, was one of our best players. And I think that when he came out of, of the midfield, we gave Tondel a lot of time to pass the ball and to find the spaces in, in our midfield. And I think that just added some pressure because now we don't have, uh, we can't get possession away from Tondela because they got they got the spaces. Uh, so I, I didn't think that was the right choice by by uh, by Laj. But, uh, you know, he's, he's the coach and in Laj we trust. Look, I've seen a lot of people on social media and, and other shows and stuff criticize Lodge for doing that. And I, I got to be honest, I don't have a problem with it. Look, I understand that it brings in 
it, it adds to the anxiety. It adds to the nervousness of the game. But I understand Lodge 100%. You need a goal, and you need a goal ASAP because, as I mentioned when we first started talking about this game, with each passing minute, the anxiety grows, and I think he understands that. So he brought in his, his most attacking option on the bench rather than have him on the bench and come in, what, with 20 minutes to go? Why? If I'm bring him in at some point, if I don't have a goal, I might as well bring him now and try to break the deadlock. So I know a lot of people are against it, and I know it might have not helped Benfica out in the midfield, but I have absolutely no problem with Lodge doing it because, look, all hands on deck. We need a freaking goal. We uh, People would have criticized Lodge. Had he left Sfero, Beacon brought him in in the 70th minute, said, but there's a little more upset. What are you doing? Keep him on the bench. When you're a coach, right, you're making a decision on the spot. You can't Monday morning quarterback this and talk about it tomorrow. You have to make a decision right here and now. And that's what he did. And if it works out, he's a hero. If it doesn't work out, they're going to criticize him. But when you're a head coach and you have to make a decision on the spot, you don't have the luxury of breaking it down and speaking air. What if, bro, you make a gut decision and ultimately it worked out because a lot of people would have criticized uh, Brun Lodge for not bringing him in earlier. The guy could come in the forty eighth minute. It's still all bracket. It should have blown. There's always going. There's always going to be people that are going to criticize the coach's yeah. decision. And in this instance, look, it worked out. Credit to him. Yeah, we lost some of the stability in the midfield, but we expected that to happen once you bring out a Samadis because, as you mentioned, he's a guy that fights for the ball. He helps me think he gain possession, and he does a good job of, of 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 basically keeping control of that middle right there alongside Gabriel. But I don't think it was because Samadis came out that all of a sudden Benfica started playing back. No, I think it's a totally different game. And Benfica went for the goal, and they got the goal. And credit to Bruno Lage for having the balls to make that yeah. decision because everybody wants to pat him on the back when he goes into Istanbul with a bunch of kids. He's got big balls. Now he makes a decision. A lot of coaches don't do bringing a striker for a midfielder, center midfielder, you know, a defensive guy when it's 0-0 at home. I mean, if the guy's not going to do that at home, when is he going to do it? Yeah, and, and uh, Bruno, it, it – I think the the move by Laj, and, and I definitely understand what Cristiano was saying, but the move by Laj, it shows tremendous confidence in his defensive abilities or or in, in the team's defensive uh, positioning and posture. Bro, yeah. they're, they're not playing Porto, bro. They're playing freaking Tondela. <laughs> they're playing Tondela, bro, with three guys. I mean, look, they, 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 they pose some threats. Okay, with the long ball on the counter, but it wasn't more so jugada. It was more on the long ball. Yeah, they, they put some combinations throughout parts of the game, but it wasn't like all of a sudden Benfica was being run over in the midfield. And what he did was, oh my God, I can't believe Bruno Lage did that. Look, we gotta be patient with the guy. With as as the slogan says, in Lage, we trust trust the guy. Yeah, no, and ultimately, what happened? What happened? We won. No, no, but what happened? The guy that he brought in early, right, scored the game-winning goal. If he got the three points, that's all that matters. Bruno. I mean, one thing I do want to add is Who I felt like we could have. me from Tianjin, China. I felt like we could have taken more shots from the outside. And uh, there there weren't too many shots taken from the outside. We ended up scoring with a, a cross from a very nice cross from Grimaldo. And uh, we were definitely playing a lot of through ball after he took Samadij out. And I think if we took more shots from the outside, we would have probably had more goals and, and more chances, and it would have broken their defense a little more. They did a good job defending. Look, remember, Absolutely. these teams prep three, four, five days. I don't know when... when, when, when Park the last game. No, no, but not just that. I don't I don't know when their last game was prior to, 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 to playing at the lose on, on Saturday, right? But they prepped, and they came up and schemed to defend Jonas and defense 
Joan Felix and defend Benfica's attack. Looking, I'm pretty sure they go over video. All of a sudden, you inject a player of a sphere of each caliber, which is nothing like a Jonas or a Joan Felix, and that threw them for a loop. Benfica got that cross when there was three defenders in the back line at that moment. It was the first time that they weren't set up defensively, right? And Sferovic found the back of the net, was able to get his head on. Look, angle, a, a header. At the end of the day, man, coaches make decisions that a lot of us don't agree. When it works out, it's fine. When they don't, sometimes they make decisions that we think is beautiful decisions and it doesn't work out. Yeah. yeah. Before we get to the Seferovic game uh, goal. If you're uh, calling me from China, I'm not calling you back. <laughs> Stop calling me. <laughs> if, <laughs> before we get to that Seferovic uh, uh, goal, though, uh, Cristiano, for you, definitely a highlight of, of, of the season. Tarap coming in 71st minute. Uh, came in for uh, for for Pizzi. I, look, I must admit, I was, I was I'm like, really? Like, you, you, for real? Like, nah, stop playing. This is like early April Fool. <laughs> <laughs> but now, yo, the credit to Tarap. Tarap came in and look to his credit. Within what? 30 seconds being on the field, my man comes in. <laughs> yo, and the fans, to their credit, they got to give him a stand ovation. My man, he's like, yo, I mean business. I mean business. And look, and he looked like a. You know how to play soccer, spread the ball. You lost it one time that gave uh, Tondela a scoring opportunity. That was the one mistake he yeah. made. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think I think Brun Lodge sees the quality that you have there. I mean, look, guys, I know I know it's easy to sit here and rag on the guy and crack on him and and and, and discredit what he's done for the last four years. And look, no one, no one, including myself, um, will, will ever applaud the guy for what he's done. I think he's, you know, he was he wasn't a professional. I thought he should have taken things a little bit more serious. I think you have a responsibility when you sign a five-year contract. You got to come in and you got to be a professional. You got to be in shape. And he was not. He was not. But look, at the same time, he was discarded by the coaching uh, staff from from the first minute. It was kind of like they signed them against the coaching staff's will. Um, and as a player, there's nothing worse than that. So now Benfica makes a change in coaching, and this coach. Uh, as proved, and obviously by playing Tarap, he's proved that not just shown and talk to find game. He's proved to everyone that if you play and you practice with the intensity I ask you, and if you play and get in shape the way I expect you, you get to the level I expect you to be, you're going to get a chance on my on my team, on my club, and that's exactly what Bruno Lage did. And credit to Tarap for turning on turning on the switch, getting in shape, getting to that intensity, and getting to the side. It's not easy. It's not. We're not talking about Sunday league, guys. We're not talking about playing with your boy Solteiros against Casados. Yuri Ribeiro quality. Yeah, well, <laughs> he got in shape and he came in, and right now he's an option. Credit to him. Credit to the coaching staff. I think everyone deserves a hand of applause for being a professional and not just killing someone and discarding a player based on stories you hear. Uh, and so, I mean, I couldn't be happier. Was I shocked? Absolutely. I thought if Benfica was winning, he would have been brought in. But he came in and he played well. He had the one mistake, as I mentioned before. He tried to control it. He miscontrolled it. Uh, besides that, got a yellow card. I think he was trying. It's like one of the, you know, when you got a daughter and she goes out for the first time, she tries to do everything in one night. That's what he tried. He tried to get everything out the way in one shot. Uh, but yeah. Christina, those are very emotional words. You almost brought a, brought a tear in my Look, I, I, because, because I think I... Man, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't. Do I don't want to go do down you, this do path. Do you see yourself a little bit? That's in, where in I was. That going, that's where I was. I don't. Want, I don't want to go down this path. But I would. I. I kind of see because people. I, yo, if you got Jenga, bro, it's it's a gift. It's a gift. And in today's world, like you got Jenga, is like oh, unless you're running people over twenty, you know, ninety minutes a game. Like yo, not everybody fits into that. You can't fit a square. A, 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 a what is it, a round peg into a square hole. 
or vice versa, whatever it is. <laughs> square hole. Uh, whatever. But a certain, well, you know what a I mean. A square peg in a round hole. Yeah, thank you. You can't do that. And 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 I think it's easy to 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 criticize a guy like that. And I see myself when I was younger, I yeah. had some difficulties in coaches because I didn't track back. Like I told my coach one day, oh, right, but always, it wasn't. It wasn't always. You that. want me to score? You want me to defend? I can't do both, bro. It, it wasn't always the track back, but uh, for, for for those guys that don't know Cristiano and and Who I, cares? I, I, have, I have the pleasure of no, of knowing Cristiano and and from a very early age, and and Cristiano uh, was a very talented player, uh, but he, he wasn't. He wasn't always. Uh, he wasn't the coach's pet. He wasn't the no. guy that was going to conform. Uh, he was kind of a, 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 a rebel, if you will. But I, and I think that's why Cristiano gravitates so much to that up because Not just that up. players he, of his caliber, players with his with, with his style. Stop. He Not sees he sees a lot. He sees a lot of of his own demeanor in in Tarap. Gordinho, no, not not Gordinho, but uh, you know. My man says Upon in Portugal is great, and I agree with him. <laughs> Dave, uh, were you surprised at all with uh, with Tarap that uh, that he came in? No, like we've discussed, it's good that uh, Bruno Lage. Uh, not just talks the talk, he also puts uh, his actions to work, right? So uh, if I take any everybody else uh, from our roster, and in, uh, in this should be an eye-opener for Zivkovic now because now uh, this is two coaches that uh, he's gone through uh, that he's been on uh, the bench now, right? So whatever he's doing in the training uh, grounds, we're not, uh, we're not there to see because we, we do see he has the talent on the pitch. But if he's not coming to practice with that same mentality, then uh, he's going to be uh, sitting on the in the stands, not on the uh, field. Yeah, no, absolutely. So four years after signing with the club, <laughs> that app definitely makes his his debut. And uh, Cristiano, I think you you remember when Tarap first joined the team, uh, and he joined the team here in the United States in the, in the first uh, time that Benfica was here for the International Toronto, uh, Champions Cup Toronto, in Toronto. PSV, Hartford against Fiorentina, and then Red Bull yeah. Arena against the Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah, I remember it vividly, man. <laughs> you remember vividly. That, that That's a story we tell people all the time. I'd rather about... not tell that story, but yeah. Right. So so anyway, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this up. So Seferovic uh, got the goal in in eighty fourth minute, and uh, in, look, I I think that the team the team did enough uh, to win to to win the game, uh, and uh, I just uh, you know what's but uh, Dave Seferovic man, what what a story has been so far. What a story! This guy was was not even a part of the team that uh, was training this summer was washed away they don't want to they didn't want him anywhere close to the team and now he's the leading goal scorer of the league he's got his 16th goal of the season uh 20 goals across all competition and he's uh, averaging a goal uh every 83 uh, minutes so uh going forward though i hope that uh if all three players are healthy Seferovic, uh, jonas and juan felix i hope uh uh bruno Lage considers uh going forward with us uh, a week and uh joan felix but uh no disrespect to jonas the guy's a legend in our club it's his birthday week i don't want to spoil his birthday week but i think he's going to be more effective now coming off the bench than uh providing us a full 90 minutes up top with joan felix yeah look i don't i don't know how i feel about that but when you got three guys for two spots is is difficult jean, look jonas you can't take anything away from jonas and i think if jonas is at a hundred percent Nobody touches. Nobody could touch Jonas in this team. I mean, no one. He showed on that one 
putting that one possession he had where he broke the guy three different times. Zoom, 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 zoom. Puts it back on the opposite post. Obviously, look, it was a clear handball on Andre Almeida, and I'm fine with that coming back. But he showed his class. This is a guy that needs half a chance. Now, yep. Benfica hasn't necessarily been feeding him or Jean Felix uh, with tons of service into the box. And, and it's different reasons. Obviously, Fedovic is a player that you could get a, a 30-yard cross into the box, whip it, whip it into the box. He's going to get to it. Jonas is not going to do that. Neither is Jean Felix. I understand the style of play might be a little bit different under those guys. But to the, the discard and disrespect my man, Pistolas. The greatest I'm not, player, I'm not disrespecting. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting. I'm not, I'm not saying you. I'm, there's plenty of other people in the world that disrespect the guy and talk him down. To disrespect the guy who's the best thirty, pl- the best player in the last forty years to play at Benfica, I think it takes a lot of balls, right? This is a guy that scored very important goals. The guy's put carried us on their back. A guy that's given that's us, why his back given is us, that's exactly why his back is messed up. <laughs> guy who's given us titles after title, and now like. Okay, because he's not playing at the same level he was was because he once was, which was scoring thirty plus goals a year. The guy's a monk now. Let's let's all calm down with that. Jonas still has. I don't know if it call, I don't know if get. anybody's calling him a monk, dude. Uh, you got plenty of people. Trust me on social media talking about the guy could have left in January. I don't even know why we kept him. I'm yeah. Like, what? Come on. So so Bruno, uh, one... Dave just loves Fedovic because he got his jersey, bro. That's <laughs> I'm it. Wearing it tonight. I'm wearing it tonight. See? Told you. <laughs> so Bruno, uh, one nothing. Tirado a ferros. And, and this is the, the type of games that we could probably expect for the rest of the season. And look, perhaps, and, and look, I don't want to jinx anything. And I know that there's plenty of still a lot of competitions for, for, uh, for Benfica to face. Uh, but there's a lot of teams that are still fighting for points. There's Malitas involved. There, there's all these things. It's expected that through the rest of the season, these are the type of games, these are the type of battles that we're going to have to fight, not only against the 11, but also against the three in black. Yeah, no, I I think and I hope you're wrong. Uh, and, and these are not the type of games that we keep seeing. The, it, these, uh, as we say, jogos sufridos. Um, I think we'll probably see a few games where we're able to, to see the Bruno Lage that we're used to seeing. But yes, there will be some games that are going to be like this where there's going to be Malitas involved for sure. And and these guys are going to come out, our opponents are going to come out, and they're going to play like it's a Champions League final. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, like some of these teams still have some some points to play for. Uh, I also think that uh, that initial surprise factor that Brun Lage and, and the quality of football that Brun Lage brought – uh, the dynamics of the team, the movements of the team. I think that now teams are starting to get hip to it and they're starting to to play us better uh, on a defensive end, right? Uh, so it's up for Benfica to, to turn it up another notch, to go up another gear to get past these guys. But look, every game is going to be like that. So, uh, you know, take your take your heart medication uh, and get uh, get that that blood pressure checked because uh, yeah it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fight to the finish man nail biting games bro I, I had this conversation with Hugo earlier today guys that's uh, the second time you mentioned Hugo does, does he is he, is he gonna talk, pay, talk, give you money when you mention his name we talk a lot about Benfica what can I say he just calls me a lot all the rest of you guys just ignore me what else is there to uh, talk about besides Benfica right um, <laughs> as we were talking man and 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 like I don't even want to say this but. It's like I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm not worried about Benfica going down the stretch here in these final seven games. I'm worried about 
the jogo outside the four linhas. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the club himself. I'm just worried about everything else that has to do with football, the decisions being made. I mean, if we're going to keep having these dubious, uh, you know, refereeing, uh, officiating games against us or, uh, you know, in favor of our friends, because we know, we know that those decisions are going to go fa in favor of our friends. Unfortunately, we're not going to get a call. So it's like, I feel like Benfica is going to have to play at 200% rather than 100. Everything has to be perfect. Benfica can't just be good. Benfica has to be great. Yeah. Because even when Benfica scores a goal with, I mean, as clean as a whistle, these referees are going to VAR. <laughs> They're trying to find something there that they could call it. They're going to go back 30 minutes. I don't. They're just yeah. gonna try to find something that they could call it back. They're trying so, to find the Pintelio offside yeah, just to call that shit back. So <laughs> I think I think it's it, it's gonna be a very tough time for Benfica. But look, do I believe that they could do it? Absolutely. It's seven games. Um, you know, none of them are walking the park. Even though Fidens Fidens should be a walk in the park. I mean, these guys haven't won a game since freaking August. Uh, but we know every everything and everyone is gonna be against us in these games. So Benfica has to to be up for the challenge and they have to come and play their best each week. Yeah. And, and speaking of challenges, next challenge is the second uh, leg of the Portuguese cup at the Alvalade. Benfica carries a two, one uh, in favor uh, aggregate uh, into Stadio Alvalade. Dave set this, uh, set this game up for us, please. Yeah. So uh, 36 times that we've met sporting in the Tasa Portugal, uh, we've uh, won 16 times drawn two, and uh, we've actually lost 18 uh, times to Sporting in this uh, competition. But uh, last five, it breaks down as two wins, one draw, uh, one loss. But uh, this season, we've already got picked up two wins uh, against them and one draw. So um, in the first leg, it was 2-1, like we've discussed. But that very late uh, away goal by Bruno Fernandes uh, opens this uh, game right up uh, for tomorrow. So everything to play for uh this is ba basically sporting's only competition that they have uh left or any chance of uh winning don't say so, that uh, fighting for third is still a competition for them they're still fighting you know for their regular customary <laughs> third spot sorry i i forgot uh sporting was the arsenal of portugal here arsenal but, sport. uh, arsenal's that's actually true sport. that's true that's true don't want to disrespect well, sporting thing, like that thing. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna play their heart out because this is the only competition, yeah. um, and uh, we still have uh, we're still involved in three other competitions. So I want to see what uh, Bruno Lage uh, puts forward tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, Cristiano, no var dust for uh, for uh, Sporting. Nope. Uh, is this uh, is this game Sporting season? Oh, it is. I mean, look, first of all, you know, every time Sporting plays Benfica, they, they give it their all. And now, uh, to keep things seriously, though, this is, as Dave mentioned, this is the one competition that they're still alive in. They did win the Tasa de Liga against Foucault do Porto in penalties, I believe. Um, so they have a chance to, to, to win a second cup this season, I think. Look, for them, all things considered, as we mentioned other, on other shows here and, and other podcasts, uh, after the tumultuous uh, offseason that they had, losing a bunch of players and then still being able to some way, somehow um, winning two cups this season, I think it'll still be a very positive season for them. So uh, Sporting will come in tomorrow and play and give it their all and try to to somehow, some way uh, conquer Benfica and advance to the finals. We'll take on Futebol Clube Porto in a Taça de Amor and a Taça de Portugal final. Yeah, and uh, Bruno, Sporting has been struggling with some some depth and some some freshness. Uh, Ristovsky uh, also foi convocado, but he'll also miss the game. They got apparently, but they they appealed it. They appealed it. They appealed it, but 
I think they. But he's going to be serving it tomorrow. I read. He's going to be my, serving it, but they still call him up. Somehow. They called nineteen, so maybe he'll go to the stands. Yeah, but I, they're, they're hoping that, that uh, the, the the decision could be reversed. That red card is another example of the poor refereeing in, in Portugal. Like it was just a terrible weekend. So for, there you go. According to Dave, Ritzkowski is in the starting eleven tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, Bruno, how do you feel about this game, man? I mean, 2-1 in the way Benfica has had uh, Sporting's number uh, this year, especially under Lodge. What, what are your thoughts and, and feelings on this game? It's it's definitely going to be a, a tough game. You know, it's against a rival, uh, regardless of how their season is going. Because when you play a rival, it's a different style of game. It's a different motivation in the game. But... And, and you know, they, they also have Bruno Fernandes, which I have to admit, he's a very good player and he's very dangerous. And he's the one, if I'm not mistaken, scored the uh, goal for them in, in the last uh, match we played them for the Tasa, right? Yep. 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 Well, I'm positive, though, Alfredo. Sorry to cut you off. How much I mean, gas do you think Bruno Fernandes has in the tank, uh, Cristiano? He's still, look, the guy is going to be as motivated as anybody on the field. This is an opportunity for him once again to show the world and you know there's going to be a ton of scouts over there tomorrow to show everyone what kind of player he is because I'm pretty sure he's looking for for, for a nice hike in his salary and looking to get out of Portugal and get out of Sporting Asa. Now, as Bruno said, I agree. Anytime a rival plays form uh, is thrown out the window. The one positive though on Benfica's side is Benfica is going through an eight-game, I believe, unbeaten streak against Sporting, which is the longest in God knows how long. Uh, they could extend it to nine, if I'm not mistaken. Dave, you have those numbers in front of you? No. Yeah, you're correct. You're you're correct on that. Dave, I'm a máquina, So uh, I, I think Benfica wanted to keep that going. Bruno Lage, uh, if he gets another win tomorrow, that's more wins than 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 than. than... <laughs> I was gonna say, don't say it, don't say it, no, no. don't say it. Then do Vitorias, but I'll leave it alone. That's Roy, more, that's Roy, more, Vito, Roy Vitoria. That's more Vitorias for uh, Brun Lars than Vitoria had. So, uh, I mean, you're, I think you accomplished that already. Can uh, we call him Brun like Vitorias? <laughs> Uh, Brun Vitorius after this after he beats Sparting tomorrow. Victories. But I think uh, look, it's it's going to be a very tough game. You know, the crowd's going to be into it. The, the, the you know the players are going to be into it. Um, these guys and as Bruno mentioned before, and I was I was I was going to kindly interrupt them then when he said, look, these guys are going to act like it's a World Cup final. I was going to say, anytime anyone plays Benfica in Portugal. It is like a World Cup final because they know their mamas, their baby mamas, their grandmas, their tios, their tias. Yeah. Everybody's watching that game. So yep. it, it's it's huge for these guys. And uh, Benfica has uh, the obligation tomorrow to go into Alvalade and come out with a positive result. Uh, obviously lost uh, Tasa de Liga to Porto in the semifinals. BS once again involved. Um, and now you 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 have to... To, to try to get to the final and get a Copa, uh, get a Tasa here, take it away from Porto. Yeah, and Sporting is looking to get back into the Jamor, which they were there last uh, last spring. Uh, but then after that whole thing at the academy went down, uh, nobody really thought that Sporting was going to win that match, and it turned out to be uh, uh, to be something that, that to be a trophy that went to Sportivo das Aves, believe it or not, a team that had never won a, a trophy in, in Portugal at a, at a major competition. Uh, so uh, Bruno Fernandes wants to get back in there, and he says that he wants to uh, to win that game. Anyway, um, so after and, and that, no no uh, Vlacodimos in uh, Ferro uh, tomorrow either. Uh, they released the rosters. You got the you got the rosters Monday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Vlacodimos, Ferro, and uh, Servi are out, and uh, going in are uh, Zlobin, 
uh, Jardel, Zivkovic, and uh, Fascia are also on the rosters. Yeah. Okay. So, so most likely Jardel is going to get that start. Uh, it's not most likely. I mean, it's. I think you could book uh, unless he plays Yuri Ribeiro at center back. Yuri's not there. It's 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 Vilar and Sloven. So Vlako Dimas is not starting. Svilar most likely to be back in goal. Svilar and, and Sloven? And Sloven, yes. Yep. Vlako Dimas. So Svilar will most likely get the starting goal. You think? Uh yeah, I know. So oh, I mean he's, he's playing all the all the cup games. Um you have uh, Almeida, Ruben Diaz, Jardel, Malu, and then Corcia as the one backup uh, is back. as the one backup uh, defender on the bench. PZ Samaris, Gabriel Rafa, Zikovic, Fessa, Jets, and Tarap. Jonas, Juan Felix, Ferovic, and Jota up top. Uh, those are the, the 19. Yeah. I just so want to quickly interrupt. I, I'm definitely excited to see Zlovin on the first team, and I, I can't wait to see, you know, I can't wait to see him get some minutes on, on the A squad and see what he can do. Yeah. No, look, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of people arguing that Zlovin at this point, he has he's had more comp competitive minutes than Svilar has had at Benfica. Yeah, because he was playing regularly on the B team, but yeah, and uh, and actually, Svila, if you guys are not uh, um, tuned into to our new or you're not hip to our new show, uh, the new show that Cristiano and I uh, do, which is called Time Added On, it's a show for for Benfica Independent on YouTube. Uh, five topics, two minutes each, and we discuss. And Svila is actually going to be one of the topics on this week's show, though. So make sure you you check. Uh, you check out uh, our YouTube channel. Also follow us on on Twitter at time a o nineteen. Is that right, Cristiano? Yes, Monsieur. We'll we'll put links in the uh, show notes, right? <laughs> Can you put links in the show notes for this? Absolutely. But uh, coming up yeah. next, time a o nineteen. See, I remembered. Uh, coming up next uh, for uh, Benfica is Ferenc, Sunday, 5.30 local. Santa Maria de Feira will be the venue in which Benfica will be traveling to. Sold out already. Um, Ferenc is currently dead last. What else is uh, Ferenc uh, up to this year, uh, Dave? Nothing good. They are currently hold a record, actually, for uh, the most uh, defeats. Or no, most... Uh, games without a win in the Liga Norge. So they're at 25 games. As uh, Cristiano mentioned, they haven't won since uh, August 20th. And uh, their two victories of the season came back to back the first two uh, games of the season. So they haven't won since August. And uh, they're definitely going down to second division. Uh, Yo, this, is, this is true story. <laughs> I was in Portugal in August. And when Fidesz gets off to, you know, two games, two victories... I I remember I was at per, I remember watching the highlights. Show. I'm like, yeah, for this this year, bro, they're gonna be like top six, fire top seven, yo, they're gonna be good, man. Hey, cool, you know, like I find out they haven't won a game since then. I think they need me back in Portugal. I, I, I think they need me back to Portugal. Yeah. D didn't didn't they have a private owner now? I I thought I heard that someone bought the team out. And I don't know. I thought it was interesting to have a privately owned team in the Portuguese league. And I was interested to see how they were going to do, but it's not looking very well, positive. I thought uh, Olianis also had uh, yeah. a private investors in that from uh, from Asia, I believe. And there was talk about the Tondela too, about the Chinese investors in Tondela last season. I remember reading yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the biggest thing that worries me about this game uh, is not only the, the short rest, but also I hope that Benfica and I hope that Brun Lage prepares his team well, uh, because this is a, a game. And, and regardless of whether uh, seven finals being what's left, these games against these last 
place teams that haven't won games since August is always uh, some uh, a case for probably underestimating uh, a team. Uh, and look, for, for a team like Ferenc, who has been doing absolutely crap all season, to be able to get points from Benfica, this might be their highlight of the season. This might be their their championship, even though they're uh, they're going down to uh, the second division. And don't forget the Maleta, very important. Cristiano, trap game? Which one? Ferenc? Before Frankfurt? Nah, I think Benfica, come on, contra aqueles monks. I mean, as we stated before, these guys haven't won a game since August. I mean, come on, if Benfica can't handle these guys, look, just pack it up and go home. Yeah. I say that all the time. I mean, look, Benfica with no outside interferences, right? Benfica should win all these remaining games. Benfica has the obligation to be unos Benfica, the Benfica we've grown accustomed to seeing throughout our young years, because then in our teen years, which I guess. Yeah. Uh, but especially the Benfica and the Brun Lodge. Benfica has enough quality on this team to go out there, and not even with their best performance, to still come away with the three points. But obviously, the thing that worries me is the outside factors. But I still think Benfica will be fine. I think I think Blage will have do some type of squad rotation uh, to have some guys fresh to take on Frankfurt. Yeah, and uh, this will be uh, – so the Ferenc game will be the Benfica's second game Uh, in April, seven games in totality that Benfica will be playing uh, in April. What else does Benfica have on tap uh, in April, Dave? Yeah, so then after the Fadens game, we got uh, Eintracht Frank Frankfurt on the Thursday, uh, April 11th at the Stadio de Luge, uh, followed by uh, Stubal on the 14th of April, also at the Stadio de Luge. Uh, then we make a trip over to uh, Frankfurt on Thursday, April 18th. Uh, return back home to the Estadio de Luz to play Maritimo on April 22nd. And then uh, to wrap up the month of April, a uh, big match up in Braga at the Pedreira, sorry, the Quarry Pedreira uh, against Braga there. Yeah, so after uh, that Braga game, there'll be three games left. And, and uh, admittedly, if you're looking at uh, Befica's schedule down the stretch, this Braga game is the game that, uh, that pops up because... Uh, Uh, yeah, Braga has been the whipping boy uh, of all, all of the three teams. Uh, the top three teams have been beaten up on Braga. They're they're bound sooner or later to get to beat somebody, one of uh, one of the teams. So uh, hopefully uh, this is a game that uh, needs to be marked on a calendar, and and it's a very important game on the way to the title, if if you will. Um, what else we got? International Champions League, International Champions Cup. Let's say International Champions League. International Champions Cup uh, um, schedule has been announced. Dave, you wanna you wanna be a, a doll and, and talk on the talking to the doll podcast? Yeah, yeah, for sure. On July 20th, Benfica against Chivas Guadalajara at Levi Stadium. I don't think so, it's called uh, Levi's. Is this still called Levi's? Yes. Yeah. Levi, so uh, all the Californians uh, can go watch uh, Benfica. Shout out to Mr. Uh, Mello. He's, yes, he's very excited to be out there. And then uh, they come back to uh, Harrison, New Jersey on July 24th against uh, Roma at uh, Red Bull Arena. And then they wrap up their uh, North America or just American trip on July 28th against AC Milan at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Is America so, uh, North America? Well, yeah. uh, sorry, it's just America, no Canada. And oh, once again, uh, Toronto yeah. shafted from yeah. the... Uh, 
No need for the correction. Do they have any game? Does the ICC have any games up in Canada this uh, this summer, jealous. Dave? No. No. no games for the fourth straight summer in Toronto or Canada. I think uh, for the, the ICC. The ICC is a little bit worried that uh, they legalized pot up in Canada. Maybe that's why. <laughs> they got shit If you, you want to get started, we're trying to build. We're trying to build a game here for the uh, United 2026 World Cup here in in Canada, and this is now four straight seasons that the biggest soccer summer soccer tournament in the world is not coming to Canada. It's a damn shame. Uh, it's I want to blame the evil empire, and I'm not talking about the New York Yankees. I'm talking about Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Hey, They're the owners. They're the owners of the facility of BMO Field, the soccer stadium there in uh, Toronto. They want control. They control the four sports teams, and they control the the venue, and they don't control this tournament. So. They're keeping Dave, the tournament outside of their venue. Dave, those are those are very emotional words. I, you almost brought a tear to my eye. No Benfica, no party up here. But uh, don't worry, the party will be coming down. Uh, yeah, so come down, again. you uh, Canadians, eh? I mean, I love, For sure. love Toronto. Love my brothers up north. We had a tremendous time in Toronto when we went off Fredo. Shout out to Steve. But they, they, you know, they didn't represent themselves well when Benfica was there. I think it was probably all, well, you know, it's the summertime. All the Portuguese are in Portugal. 11,000 no, people right. against, against Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, Paris Saint-Germain. You're There's right. 11,000 yeah. people. And so maybe the, the, the evil empire, a.k.a. not the New York Yankees, <laughs> uh, they, they're probably like, yo, they're, they're, and Dave, I know I was messing with you before with the correction North America, but now on a serious note, they're probably looking at it like, bro, it's not that big of a deal bringing this international tournament. We're going to have to waste money, probably lose money at the end of the day. And nobody's going to turn out. Dave, you think it has anything to do with that? No, I don't. To be honest, this this uh, evil empire, may please sports entertainment. You did hit the nail on the on the uh, head there. It's all coming down to money. And uh, if they're not making money and they don't have any control over it, that uh, facility there that they uh, they run already has uh, two tenants between the Toronto FC and uh, the Toronto Argonauts, which is the uh, Canadian Football League. Uh, and they're always concerned about the grass getting chewed up between uh, the football players playing there. And that that stadium was built as a soccer-specific stadium. stadium, the only one in Canada. But now they've put a football team in there, and it's they've just torn up gone. torn grass plenty of times. Torn up that grass. It's a damn shame. And we're trying to build up the, uh, the United 2026 World Cup. But again, no uh, ICC How, this time. How's the attendance for the Argonauts? I think, uh, what do we have here? We got four people on the podcast. I think uh, we might have doubled the amount of people that go to the Argonauts. Oh, geez. We had a sour note for Dave. Dave, Dave, you shouldn't be too (laughs) upset with the evil empire. I mean, they brought in fellow Chop John Tavares. They brought him back into your town. I mean, they're having a phenomenal season. They might, they're one of the cup favorites. And you get to see a fellow Chop in in your backyard. I mean, aren't you excited about that? Leafs are going home in the first round. They can't get past the Boston Bruins. Raptors, wow. we all know how their playoffs uh, story Kawhi. breaks down. They're losing Kawhi. They're all losing right. Kawhi. They're losing the first round. The, like I said, the evil empire just strikes one. You right. got Vladimir Guerrero. Okay, okay. Voila. We in digress. We digress, guys. Voila, voila, voila. You got Guerrero in the minors. Shut, cut this mic off. Uh, anyway, that that's... And on that note, uh, look, uh, you know... I. 
I, I certainly feel for for people in, in Canada. We have a lot of uh, good friends up in Canada, as Cristiano mentioned. Uh, Don't not, feel bad, bro. They're gonna have those every cup. I, I, <laughs> oh yeah, and and that's what I was about to to mention. Not only did the, were those people uh, done wrong uh, by that whole Zebu Cup, with people buying tickets and hotel reservations, so on and so forth, and then they got stiffed. So I, but but then again, uh, nothing to do with the uh, ICC. So anyway, uh, but all you uh, Canadians uh, are welcome in the United States until Trump decides to build a wall. So in the meantime, take advantage of that and uh, get down here. That's I mean, Boston, Boston is uh, Boston is what? Three hours from Toronto? Ah, more than that. Oh, this eight hour drive from Toronto. Eight hours, eight hours is nice. Nah. How, wait, how is Boston? I mean, yo. it's 10 hours from Jersey. No, we did it in eight hours. It, yeah. Like seven hours. We did it in seven hours. Yeah, but Boston is further further east. Maybe that's why. Yeah, that's that's about correct. Yeah, I Google mapped it. It's, it's straight across. Where for you guys that we got to go a little bit more down. So it's still late hours either way for both of those trips. Absolutely right. All right, that's all we uh, we got for uh, this week. Next week we'll be back. We'll recap the Sporting game. We'll be recap. Uh, the Ferenc game, and we'll also look ahead to Benfica's uh, first leg against uh, Frankfurt Eintracht, Eintracht Frankfurt, however you want to say that. Uh, Bruno, any uh, parting words? Well, well, let's let's talk a lot of, uh, a bit about uh, about your project. Do you want to you want to just uh, give people brief, a brief synapse about what that's about? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I felt I wanted to destacar os adeptos extra. To Benfica, you know, and and put the spotlight a little bit on them, and and kind of find out why they do what they do, and because I mean the love for this club is just unexplainable. So I interviewed them and and made a little documentary series about uh, the fans, pretty much our fans, and I was able to interview three, I would say pretty known fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed Paulo Pereira, which everyone should know. Uh, he, he's got music he's the dude out. with the songs and yeah he's the dude with the songs <laughs> that's that's it i i interviewed uh ugo gil who's got the uh the website with news about benfica and i interviewed the the infamous Ubispo, who goes to to the games dressed up as as a priest and a very humble guy and it was a fun project and i, I think i'm if people like it i enjoyed doing it i think i might interview a few more people and and keep the series going yeah well so where where can people find that on youtube youtube is going to be the best place to find it which they uh, just put in uh, a search box search Uj Diavinus, and no relation to the fan group uh, i just want to state that you know the avenues Uj Diavinus, because the stadio de luz is known as the the inferno and these are the little devils at the stadium who get that give the extra fire during the game, and that's why I called it Uz Do you think the bishop is gonna agree to the fact that the is the bishop is a very Catholic man, and you're you're in a show called the Diabinus? Conflict of interest, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he uh he, he took it up with the religious groups, and they okayed it. <laughs> <laughs> Five our fathers and uh, six uh, hail marys, and he was good to go. Ex- exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, Uz Diabinus on YouTube. Um, we'll probably put links in the show notes. I think if, if that's possible, Alfredo. Yeah, we could, we could do that. Cool. And, uh, check it out. Let me know what you guys leave some comments. Let me know what, what you thought.
Yeah, for sure. No yeah. vejo, pá, não presta. <laughs> yeah, de definitely check that out. I mean, anything that uh, that's Benfica, it's always easy to uh, consume. And uh, I can tell you that I've I've watched uh, I've watched them, and uh, they're very well done. And I think everybody will uh, will enjoy the way it's been done. So kudos to to Bruno Thank for, you. For, for doing that. I appreciate those uh, words. Don't forget to, to check out uh, BenficaIndependent.com, which is uh, a, a huge uh, source for everything Benfica. Our path, podcast is featured on there. Also, there's uh, there's uh, Benfica FM is featured on there. There's a bunch of uh, written uh, text or, or articles, uh, both Portuguese, um, German, which Marcus Orn has been uh, a, an avid contributor to that. Also in French. Now there's articles in French. So you could definitely go check that out. Uh, there's no articles in English. If you are interested about writing um, about Benfica in English, uh, DM me uh, and uh, we'll see if we could get you featured on their website, BenficaIndependent.com, on Twitter at SLB Independent. Uh, we're also Facebook, uh, Instagram, and all the other uh, platforms. So definitely uh, go and uh, check those out. Uh, Cristiano is on Twitter at 10CO10. Uh, Dave, uh, what's your Twitter, man? At 87. DO87. Bruno has stayed away from Twitter, and I don't encourage you to go on Twitter. Instagram. It's all about the gram. Yeah, that's right. And he's on Instagram. Where, where can people follow you on Instagram? At Bruno Amar, B R U N O A M A R. Amar, it's like like loving. That's it. That's it. Right. Uh, BifikaPodcast.com. At BifikaPodcast is where you can find us on Twitter. Thanks a lot, everyone. Uh, we ran a, a little uh, long today, but uh, I'm sure you'll find it worth it. Sorry about the the tangents and all that. Uh, we'll be back next week. Cristiano, tamanhão, pa. Tchau, tchau, bacalhau. Later. Okay.